Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. You can find the show on your favorite podcasting network. And of course, if you like watching us on video, just head on over to the Thundercast YouTube channel. The links to everything are always in the description to every episode, along with a link to Thundercast.online, our website, where here recently we have just started putting content up there like crazy we've added a few um members to the team and uh you're getting some a little bit of sports specific coverage in places we're getting some of those top 10 lists that people love to argue about and i'm going to be honest with you i like arguing about those things too there's just something about a top 10 list that kind of makes you feel good and let's not forget that russ living good himself is doing an amazing job with the Marshall football portal tracker everybody going in everybody coming to the herd and even guys that might enter and withdraw and that's just a little bit of a teaser of what may or may not be coming up in a little bit but Russ we've got a big episode we've got a lot to talk about there is a slew of information that has happened in the herd universe this week so we should probably get rolling with a quick word from our sponsors at Laser Oliver PLLC. If you've been hurt in a wreck, let the law firm of Laser Oliver PLLC help you. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Let's get this cat rolling. Start me off with I don't know how many things, but X amount of things this week. <laughs> well, why don't we go for nine? Holy crap, uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, nine things every Herd fan needs to know this week, as always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, track and field school records broken. KD, get this. Abby Herring breaks her own indoor 3K record. And she did it by, oh, 19 seconds. Oh, that's no big deal. That, that's <laughs> no just a walk in the park. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> I tell the, you, uh, I know record. you. I know you got more, but I got to stop yep. real quick because yep. this is just another record that uh, uh, also increases a overall record, right? If you remember back, folks, if you listen to the awesome interview that I did with Abby, sweetheart of a gal, just the right type of ambassador for herd athletics, really in state, high achiever, going to be a future Hall of Famer. But one of the records we talked about was the record that she holds for holding the overall number of records, setting and resetting records. So this is just another one that, in fact, sets two records because now that record has become even higher for Abby. So I know there are more, but I got to give the great her shine when it's merited. Well, this is more about her. That record is now at 9 minutes, 28.68 seconds, shaved off 19 seconds for the indoor 3K I'd say it's a hell of a way to start the uh, the semester off, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, also in this thing, the other record that was broken that day, Ethan Bowens is the new indoor 300-meter record holder at 35.10 seconds. What a trajectory 
right? I mean, it's been a short, we're still in year one of, uh, actually, I mean, year two for bringing the men's track and field team back, but year one for the overall change in leadership still, because this is just the spring semester. And Mm -hmm. we keep seeing new school record, new all-time record, personal best, personal best. And you know, we talk about these things. It does probably get a little repetitive to the people listening saying, God, are they ever going to talk about anything else? But this is what you want to be talking about when you are talking right. about track and field. So the fact that those are the repetitive things that we keep talking about is the absolute best indicator to tell you where this program is and is going. It, it, track and field is, is, becoming a real sleeper program for herd fans. He's like, you know what? I'm a big football fan. I really like basketball. And they're one of those, you know, lesser talked about sports. Cause let's be honest, man, if we weren't talking about them, there's probably not much coverage out there unless somebody like Abby goes to the NCAAs for an event. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, what we are doing is creating a little bit of fandom and they don't even probably realize you're starting to cheer for track and field. And that's kind of what it's all about. So, yeah, track and field segments might be a little repetitive, but this is the exact type of repetition that you want to be said. Personal best, school records falling, all-time grades, all that kind of stuff. So I would continually implore folks to dig into the roster a little bit, dig into the results a little bit, because this is exactly what you're hoping to see from a herd athletics program. Uh, Number two, and we're getting ready to start a nice little uh, stretch here in things, but number two, Molly Warner was named the Sunbelt Conference Swimmer of the Week last week. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Won two two different events at that meet uh, that they had during the week and uh, winning two events. Winning one event is always, you know, a huge thing to do because you're going up against – I don't know, some of these maybe 16, 20 people or whatever when they get to the heats and then they get down to the the finalists, won two events in the same week. So great job, Molly. Not to be outdone, number three, Audrey West was named SBC Swimmer of the Week this week. Yeah, Um, back-to-back, right? Two different performers. Mm -hmm. And like you said, not to be outdone, Um. Four wins across a couple of events this week. So, uh, Herd Swim and Dive, again, we keep talking about it. We keep keep trying to tell you guys we're going to pound it into your head. It ain't just football and basketball and women's basketball now, you know, with the Herd. You guys really need to start paying attention to some of these Olympic sports Mm -hmm. and getting to know some of these athletes because they will presently or uh, not presently. um, uh, uh, I can't think of the word. Make they will make you like kind of happy that you're starting to pay attention or that you have been paying attention. And it it builds what is the main goal of this show, Russ? It's to build herd athletics fans. That's the overall yep. theme of this show to build an athletic department wide fan so that you don't have to be at every single swim and dive match. You don't have to be, but we like you to know who those athletes are that are going out and performing for you in Kelly green and white and, and capturing these of the weeks like our swimmers have done the past two weeks. Yeah. And, and all of this is recruitment, right? When Mm -hmm. swimmers and track and field stars in high school, see these player of the week, swimmer of the week, um, athlete of the week, uh, these records being broken, all these different things they see this and they're like, that's where I want to go. I want to go there. So this is all recruitment when they see this sort of thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to continue this uh, trend here. Number four, Aislinn Hayes named Sunbelt Women's Basketball Player of the Week. About damn time. You know, had a couple of 20 point plus <laughs> efforts uh, during the week. Uh, and just about time. There's just been a lot of achievement here from this herd women's basketball team. And on a conference level, like weekly accolade level, it's just kind of flown under the radar a little bit. And now, you know, Aislinn Hayes, for as much as we've talked about how Abby Beeman has thrived in it, we've talked about Rochelle Scott in this, we've even talked about, uh, um, some some of those other players, and now it's Aislinn Hayes that's kind of pushing to the forefront this week and or last week, and uh, kind of put the conference on notice that hey, this is this is a team that anybody can catch fire and just take you to the woodshed, you know, in any given game. So this this herd women's team, and and, and I know we're going to talk about this, but I don't. I got to say it now. Get your ass to the cam for crying out! What more do you want? Right. You, you, there are fans that are like, well, I'll go when they start winning. Hello, they're winning. Right. Yeah. Our teams are achieving. The coaches have put a winner on the floor. The basketball brand is exciting. The tickets are freaking cheap as hell. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Like, get out there. The, the, we talked a couple of games ago. Maybe it was last week. You said that there, the uh, attendance was like 997. Just shy. 999. Of a, okay. Just shy of a thousand. All right, that mm-hmm. you know this this the Cam Henderson Center holds four four thousand plus, right? With the I think it's over five. Yeah, it's okay, like five fifty one, fifty two, somewhere like that. So if that place is half full, let's just say for argument's sake, that's twenty five hundred people. That's more than two and a half times that crowd. You know, from nine ninety nine to twenty five hundred, and you get pick up tickets for like three bucks, three dollars. Have you you can take. You and a couple of kids, you know, you, your wife, you, your husband, a couple of kids, or you and your your son or daughter and a couple of their friends. I mean, dang, four or five people can go to a game for under 20 bucks. And you might, you know, if you if you do it the right way or do it on the, you know, the budget side of things and you're not hitting the concession stands, which you should do. You should support the herd in all facets of the game. But if if you're just trying to do a budget fun night out, dude, you can take five people to a game for 15 bucks. Yeah. How can you beat and- that? Let's say you've got a group of 10, you know, a group of you want to go $2 a person, 10 and over. If you've got 10 plus people, it's $2 per. That's it. Really? That's it. If you take a group of 10, all you got to do is have a group of 10. So grab a friend. Tonight's the game. Got another one on Saturday. Grab a friend, grab three friends, have them grab friends, get together. I mean, I can't think of a better way to spend a couple of hours. Me either especially knowing that it's it's and I'm not meaning this in a like men's versus women's basketball statement because what I'm talking about is the style of play that our team plays. This isn't watch paint dry basketball. This is up and down the floor hustling, out hustling, aggressive basketball, and I don't care who you are. If that's not what you enjoy watching, I'm not sure you in, truly enjoy watching basketball. It's fast-paced, exciting ball from opening tip to final whistle. If that ain't worth three bucks or two bucks, if you and nine friends are going, I don't know what is. This might be the best value in the city of Huntington right now. That's safe to say. The best value, entertainment value in the city of Huntington right now. And sometimes it happens two times a week, right? You can't go to the movies for no three bucks. You can't go out and have dinner for no three bucks. You can't do anything 
for three bucks right now that's entertaining other than go to the Cam Henderson Center and watch Coach Kim, her staff, and this team continue to be that relentless herd that we like and put W's up on the board, man. Get out there. KD, you said it's about time that we got a Women's Basketball Player of the Week. This is the 10th award of the year that it's been given out. First time for Marshall. And by the way, Abby Beeman had a triple-double earlier this year Mm -hmm. and did not get it. So uh, it's been kind of a uh, team effort. But even in those team efforts, you've got these outstanding performances by the individuals that just so far has not been recognized. So Great so job, Aislinn Haynes. Before you move it. off of this one, right, there's one more thing. I don't know if you saw this, but, you know, following up on the heels of that of the week for Aislinn Hayes, the NCAA March Madness Twitter account tweeted out mm-hmm. that she was also named to their starting five of the week, which is right. a pretty prestigious award, too, because that's national pub, right? It's mm-hmm. great to get that SBC of the week. But now this is a the March Madness account for NCAA women's basketball, which by the way, has 658,000 followers on Twitter. So as good as the SBC award is the eyeballs that see something like that and go, really what's heard women's basketball doing. And then you get the extra clicks onto their profile. And then the extra clicks on dang, what, what is this women's basketball team looking like? Dang, they are exciting. Well, now you're on the radar. It's things like that. You're on the radar and we know they are, Uh, on the radar locally and on the SBC level, but that rough start to the season kind of offset the record a little bit. And if, if you do a little bit better while you're feeling your way out early in the year, maybe this is a, you know, two loss team or three loss team. Now, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, well, this is a mid major top 25. They're already on radars. I think this is the beginning of that national climb. If they're able to continue to keep winning uh, or at least be competitive in close tight losses with top teams that remain on the schedule. Number five is our final of the week. Uh, Abby Herring, we just talked about her in thing number one, breaking her own record by 19 seconds. Abby Herring named the Sunbelt Conference Women's Track Athlete of the Week. We're gonna have we to don't want to just... We don't want to just breeze right by this, but oh. I mean, what more What more can we say about Abby Herring? <laughs> well, what I want to do, David O'Leary, if you're listening, I'm going to need you to go back throughout, throughout Abby's entire career and see how many times she's been named of the week, right? And then see if that's also not a record. <laughs> like has to be. Of has to be. It's, it yeah. very well could be because it's not just Sunbelt, but it's also Conference USA runner of the week, you know? So... There, that could be yet another just undiscovered record that Abby may have. So, David, get on that for us, man. That would be one that I'd like to be able to share with the folks if that's actually truly a thing. Well, you know, I, I smell an article for Thundercast.online <laughs> of, of me going back from July the 1st, uh, 2022, when we first went into the Sun Belt and going back through all of the of the weeks and just tracking who's won what, if every uh, sport has been represented and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that would be a in-depth look at the athletic department. That would be something pretty fun to do, I think. Yeah, I need an intern, uh, kind of <laughs> like Cray America, get an intern. <laughs> all right, number six, Eli Neal is the defensive MVP for the Hula Bowl. Yep. Uh, uh, we learned that through, I think it's Eli's grandma that, that shared that with us. And, uh, just yesterday, I'm going to have to go back and look because just yesterday, the hula bowl announced, uh, their offensive and defensive MVPs 
for just one team. And they didn't do it for the other team. And of course, Eli was on the team they didn't announce. So I don't know what has taken them like almost a week to get those accolades out, but they still didn't do it completely. And I'm not tossing shade at the hula ball, but I'm thinking like, hey, man, this is the type of thing that you should get out there like the same day the game was played. Yeah, uh, like but, an hour later. Yeah, or <laughs> you already know it doesn't take much. You're taking pictures on the field anyway, and there's a photo already floating around out there of Eli holding the you know defensive MVP trophy. So we know that to be true. Uh, so maximize an opportunity. Right. It's maximizing opportunity. That's those that's one of those things. If you're going to play in these showcase games, you want to be able to go out there and dazzle. He had a great game, forced fumble, hustling all over the place. I got to watch a little bit of the game while while I had some downtime at the house. Dalton Tucker played really well, too. I kind of gave him a a uh, a jab because several times I saw the WVU sticker on the back of his helmet and he was. You know, he played right along. He said it's always go yeah. herd and that kind of thing. But, you know, that's how it, it's nice to have that type of relationship with our players. And they know when something is actually in jest in a world yeah. where people take everything so seriously. But uh, you just can't understate that that was a great performance by Eli. That's a real stock riser. You know, that's the type of thing that will put you on the radar and, uh, you know, maybe get you that opportunity. Such a cool uh, thing for him. I'm glad both those guys had great games in the Hula Bowl. That was really awesome. Number seven is Tamu Okiyoshi signs with Utah United. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, not to be – I don't know that I would really saw that coming. You know, I don't know. But uh, when I did see it happen, I was like, oh, okay. So – Another hole to fill, right? And Marshall Soccer, which I'm sure you have, we will probably cover in Around the Herd, has done that seemingly um, instantaneously. <laughs> I would love to know. I would love to be a fly on the wall in the offices of Herd Soccer just to see how many phone calls come into the program saying like, hey, I'm, I'd like, I'm interested in, you know what I mean? Like, do they have that kind of problem instead of having to go out and like work the circuit to recruit? Do they really have some of the top tier talent calling our offices and saying, hey, really like to look at the herd? That would be interesting. I'd love to know. They will never tell you. And I wouldn't want them to tell me. But I'll bet I wonder if that how often that happens. You know, that would be so intriguing to know. But I, they have no problem. And it's always the reload re continues with with the herd until it isn't. And there's no reason to think that it's stopping or even slowing at any moment right now. But that's really great for him. I'm glad he got the the pro deal. And, and Marshall's just now churning them out, you know, every season, every offseason. Before it was one, maybe two. And then later on you get, oh, we got a third one. That's not. Now it's like three, four, five, bland, first-round draft picks, that kind of stuff. This is the, the – the, man, nobody's on a momentum in herd athletics like, like herd soccer, herd men's soccer. It's a, a wild ride. I hope folks are relishing it while in real time. Number eight is Obana Anachili Killen scored his 1,000th point in the game against Georgia State last week. Super cool, man. In-state guy. Um, worked and worked and worked. You've talked about it, how he's just revamped his game and has really developed this year particularly. He was always, always a pretty good player anyway. But there are facets of his game that have just blossomed this year it just versus clicked. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes that happens, man. The switch just goes on or 
uh, it just all comes together. You find the right motion, the right groove, and shots start falling. And it, he's a he's a he's a guy that's easy to pull for, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think a little bit of that comes from being an in-state player, and you always want those mm-hmm. guys to just come to Marshall and succeed. But I think a lot more of it comes from the fact that he didn't pack it in and he just continued to try to get better. And now he's, 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 yes, he's better, but he's also not done trying to get better. So we don't know what the finishing point is going to be for Obina. And he's just been so vital to team success this year. And, and the personal success is just coming along with that. I'm really happy for him. What a, what a great accolade for him to hit. Really great accolade. And finally, number nine, the hard hat tour of the baseball stadium and baseball softball complex has been rescheduled due to weather for Saturday, January 27th at 12.30 p.m. I'm guessing you're going to be in on that. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that'll that be cool. I, I don't want to talk about it a lot but because I won't be able to like go and you'll have more info next week probably. But um, if you're a big green member, Get out there and go check it out. It's your first opportunity to get out and see these facilities firsthand, get a little in-depth look at it. And, and um, you know, it's one of those things. They're trying to bring you closer to the program. So take advantage of the opportunity to get a little closer to softball and baseball, right? The mm-hmm. momentum is there for both of these programs. So take your opportunity to get that behind-the-scenes look when you can, man, because we all clamor for it. Folks want to see it, but what you got to understand is it can't happen on your personal schedule, right? So when the opportunities are there, you got to take them. And I know Russ is going to, I would love to be able to go, right? But I can't, I mean, I can't fly to Huntington just to take a tour of facility just to fly back, but Russ will handle that for us and uh, maybe snap a few picks if they'll let him and, and you'll have great content for, for an article. So that's, that's super cool, but get out there and see that. What is like the first hundred folks get, get a hard hat and you yep. have to be a big green member. So yep. it also stands to reason you could sign up for the big green and then go on the tour. I don't know if sure you'll be able can. to do it the same day, but you've got a week to lead up to do it. And it's a quick, easy thing online, in person or over the phone. You can make it happen. So five know, bucks a month, five bucks a that's month, all- 60 bucks a year. You'll make your money back. Yep, and uh, the only other thing I got on that is parking is in the west lot, and this is going to be done uh, before the 4 p.m. basketball game that day. So okay. uh, you, you've you got an opportunity if you're already going to be in town, come a little bit early, go on that tour, just make sure that you RSVP because you have to do that uh, with the big green, and uh, they'll get you on the schedule. First 100, get your hard hat and take care of it. But that wraps up our epic nine things for this week, as always, brought to you by Ignite Link. A lot of of the weeks. What a really good one. You know, nine's a lot. Nine's a lot of things. You know, Jed and the guys at Ignite Link, they they continually get their money's worth. (laughs) Delivering 80% more than expected. That's us, man. Under promise, (laughs) over deliver, right? That's the name of the game with the Thundercast. But no, when you got three of the weeks and you've got – um, you know, a lot of another MVP at a at a showcase game and school records and man, it lends itself to that. But you know what? A lot of folks love hearing about that stuff, and they should. All folks should love hearing about that stuff. But what the majority of folks really like hearing about is what's going on with the football team. What is happening with the football team? And I'm I'm cool with that, right? I like football too. I, I want to know what's going on with the football team too. And a couple of weeks ago, we did a recruiting update. Right. Portal 
uh, in and out and who signed early signing day from the high school ranks. <laughs> and I told you then, Russ, I told you, you knew, but I told you as in our audience, we ain't done by a long shot. And just maybe the next day after we did that episode, we announced four moves, right? Three guys out of the portal. And you're a uh, robotic all of a sudden. I don't know why. Still? This must be a lag in a. I can't even hear you now. All right. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I heard you good there. Yeah, it's it's just a. It's might might as well just start from uh, when yeah, the football I thing. I will. It, it was just a lag in the in the connection. I'm sure. Yeah, I got good bars. Anyway. Well, that was an amazingly positive list of things. And nine things is a lot, a lot of things. Uh, but when you have all these of the weeks and, and records breaking and, you know, Eli getting a showcase game MVP, things are going to, it's going to lend itself to that. But what mm -hmm. people really like to hear about, and they should love hearing about those things first and foremost. But what they really want to know is, dude, what the heck is going on with the football team? I need news on the football team. You know, satisfy my hunger for the football team, and I'm with you. I like learning about that stuff, too. And a couple of weeks ago, we did the recruiting recap, right? We did mm -hmm. everybody who was in the portal, in and out, high school ranks from early signing day, or the high school signings from early signing day, all of that. And then what happened? The very next day, Marshall announced four moves. Three guys came in from the portal, and uh, Johnny I.I. from Huntington High School signed as a kicker. And we're like, well, I told you then, Russ, I told you, and I, you knew, but I told everyone else, we ain't done. And we ain't done mm -hmm. by a long shot. Expect a lot of movement. Now, did I expect this much movement in this short of a turnaround? Absolutely not. I thought we might see one or two spattered here and there over the next couple of months, and then we would see another big bunch of movement following spring ball, which I still think we will see. What I don't think I took into account, and I don't think anybody took into account, and I can't attribute all these moves to this, right? You can't. Nick Saban retired, and it caused this huge domino effect, right? And now the portal has just exploded again. Like guys in and out of Alabama, and, and you know, they hired the, the Washington coach, so a lot of guys are out of Washington, and just all of these, you know, perennial playoff team teams all of a sudden have a bunch of portal movement. Well, and it's going to trickle down. So it caused – a lot of movement, and I think it's going to continue to cause a lot of movement, which honestly for me, I think that makes me feel more positive about what Huff and this staff might be able to do through the spring. But let's take a few minutes and talk about the movement in the portal since we did that portal episode or the recruiting update episode. Yeah, and, that, and this can be found on Thundercast.online. You mentioned it earlier, but – all this uh, info, every time something happens, every couple of days, we do an update. Yeah, we try to be on top of everything, and I cannot reiterate this enough. We do not give a rat's ass about being first. We want to be accurate. So I don't care if 10 people, 20, 100 people tweet it, get it out there before us. Good for them. I'm not running the risk of it being wrong if I can mitigate that. So we want to make sure everybody has 
that announces is actually signed or we can vet that. But yes, you're right. It's a comprehensive collection of portal in portal out guides, not so much the high school stuff, but it's the portal tracker over at thundercast.online. Now we have had nine moves since that episode, just like two weeks ago. Let's start with offensive line. Well, actually let, let's not, let me ask you a question. Cause I kind of gave the answer away. The biggest point of emphasis in a lot of fans' minds is what? What position do we need to work on the most, Russ? They would say. Offensive line. Offensive line. And I told you then it's a marked uh, point of emphasis for the herd. I told the, the listeners then that they are going to concentrate on the offensive line. Well, first and foremost, let's talk about offensive linemen from Marshall that entered the portal. Eric Meeks, we talked about him when he entered the portal. Well, you know what? He decided, I think I'm going to stay with the herd and has withdrawn his name from the portal and is now back with the herd. So it's always great when the guys that have been in your program, developed in your program, choose to stay with your program. That's really awesome. So we're really glad to have Eric Meeks back and his kick returning ability. <laughs> yeah, he, he might take over for Harrison. He's, you never know. Uh, he's, he's the most experienced right now. So of the other eight moves that we brought in, these are portal in guys, four of them have come on the offensive line, right? And, and it, of course, this does not account for the other guys that we already talked about. This is going to be a mm -hmm. new look offensive line room. And there's, you've, you've got to probably think all five positions are up for battle. Right, nobody's job is safe because it's a new offensive line coach. It's a new offensive coordinator. We keep throwing around terms like air raid, so it's a different, different. It's different, right? So some of these are older news, but we didn't talk about them in the recruiting episode. So we're going to talk about them now. And let's start with Bryce Ramsey, offensive line, six foot two, three hundred, comes over from Southern Miss after a couple of years at Ole Miss. Uh, should have one year remaining. And then Cedric Nicely, offensive lineman, six foot five, three ten, comes from Ole Miss. Should have two years to play. Uh, Sean Mark Adams, Sean Marcus Adams, offensive lineman, six foot four, three thirty, JUCO guy, comes from Navarro College. Should also have two years to play. And then Christian Richter, offensive lineman, get this one, Russ. I know you're going to like this. Six foot seven, three fifteen, comes to the herd from Lehigh. Should have three, maybe four years to play, seeking a medical redshirt from the 2023 season. As far as we know, no decision has been made on that. Uh, before we move into these other four moves, let's talk about these offensive linemen, guys. And I know you're going to say size, size jumps out to me because it's hard to look past six foot seven, 315. Uh, but I want to dive a little bit deeper and get your thoughts on why, why so many offensive linemen do you think? First and foremost, a uh, slight little error that you mentioned there. You had Ramsey at 6'2", 300. He's uh, 6'2", 330. So oh, okay. That'll help you, that'll help yeah. you with your size there, uh, adding another 10% to his weight. Um, offensive line controlling the line of scrimmage and defensive line controlling the line of scrimmage, those are the basics of football success. Mm -hmm. uh, we have talked about that a lot. Uh, we struggled at times with pass protection last year that made it look like quarterback was a problem. This was a problem. Running the ball was a problem. You know, getting Ali uh, stopped in the backfield, 
obviously we know how talented he is. So there was a problem at certain points last year. Uh, not any one individual. It was like the collective of the five that were on the field at that time. So a transfer and Trent Holler, a couple of graduations, um, several graduations, actually, we have a depleted offensive line and we are basically starting over. We might have five new starters mm-hmm. when all is said and done, depending on if uh, 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 the final person comes back. You know, we don't know yet on that. So it's got to be a key emphasis. You can have as many talented uh, wide receivers, as many talented quarterbacks, and as many talented running backs on your roster as you want. If your offensive line is not performing, uh, offense is going to stall. Yeah, it's going to struggle. Not just stall, it's going to struggle. If you're talking about running something like an air raid, if you can't pass block, good luck to you. You know, yeah. if you can't give that quarterback some time, best of luck because it's not going to work, right? And you don't really have to go too, too far back. You know, those of us that have some age on us and have been following herd football for a long time, you can go back, and a lot of folks will probably do this. We don't have to go as far back as the 90s, but you go back to 2014, which is a, which is a high watermark for a lot of herd football teams. There are a lot of position groups that get compared to position groups on that team because they were really good everywhere. They were really good, but particularly on the offensive line, they were great, a great cohesive offensive line. And as great as Devin Rockhead Johnson was, that guy had the benefit of running through holes that were the size of a Mack truck, right? So it takes an already great runner and makes what he's able to do easier for him, which makes him a more lethal weapon, right? So we know that Rakeem, Rakeem Cato had a command of the offense like really no quarterback that we've seen since okay he just he was he was just really great at running that offense and a huge component of that was the offensive line that he had in front of him he knew he had time to let plays develop he knew that he had time to make the right reads he wasn't under constant duress so you're right it's football 101 you win the line of scrimmage more often than not you win the football game but what compounds that for the herd this year potentially is running a completely different style of offense. Your blocking schemes are probably not going to be the same. Your blocking assignments are not going to be the same. It's just different. So you need puzzle pieces that fit that puzzle. You know, in the old saying, you can't put a square peg in a round hole. That's kind of what it is. You know, if you're a great, great run blocking offensive lineman, but you can't pass protect worth squat. Well, that doesn't do you much good in a air raid type offense. And that's not an indictment of any offensive lineman that we have. I'm just saying that makes sense to me. Like if I can't Mm -hmm. pass block, I don't have a spot on a pass blocking offensive line. Right. So, yes, it's a huge point of emphasis. And again, I don't think it's an area where we are done with with the potential of so many instant impact linemen out there. I don't think you can just afford to close it down and say, ah, we're done at offensive line when we're set. We're going to see what we have. I still think you're going to see movement at those positions. I I just do. Uh, So let's move and talk about the other four guys that that we've brought in. Heavy defensive presence on those remaining four, right? You have five on the offensive side this time, 
four of which were offensive linemen. Three of the remaining four are defensive guys. And you remember mm-hmm. from the portal recruiting episode, it was heavy offensive influence, right? Heavy, heavy offensive influence. So now trending a little bit in the other way. And what sticks out to you here is these are potential instant impact guys because they've already been at high major programs and in those type of strength programs, in those type of practice environments, right? So they're a little bit battle tested and that's got to make you feel good for whatever your feelings are on the whole P5, G5, like nomenclature. People love to see a power five school, you know, transfer coming into this program, whether he pans out or not, they love to see that. So let's start there with the lone offensive player from the latter four, and that's Braylon Brown, a wide receiver from Old Miss. Six foot two, 195, should have two years remaining. So, yet another point of emphasis the wide receiver room stands to reason in an air raid offense. You're going to need as many wide receiving weapons as you can get. And boy, it really feels like Marshall is. Uh, checking the hell out of that box. Like the lead is breaking off the pencil with how much they are trying to check that box. Braylon Brown, by all accounts, is uber, uber athletic. Kind of that, I don't want to call it a tweener build, right? But he's 6'2". That's not short. But it's also not 6'4", 6'5", but it's also not 5'9", 5'10". Right? Nice, just overall good build can kind of play everywhere, it feels like. You know, you can mismatch that guy. He doesn't always have to be a slot guy. Doesn't always have to be an outside guy. Uh, quick thoughts of uh, Braylon Brown added to what is potentially turning into a really, really talented wide receiver room. Well, I am not one of those P5, G5 guys. I hate those terms, but there is no denying that uh, if Lane Kiffin had you in the wide receiver room at Ole Miss yeah. and if you were good enough to be an SEC wide receiver, I think you would do pretty well in an air raid offense in Marshall. Yeah. Uh, this is also, from just from my count on what we brought in, 6'4", 6'4", 6'3", and 6'2", now on wide receivers that we brought in. That plays. That plays. I think, I think at least one of those is going to pan out. You have to figure. Yeah. You know, at least one of those. I'm not saying one of those four will be your ex and the other three will never play. I'm saying at least one of these will have a breakout season and be uh, seemingly that go-to outside guy, if yeah. I had to, to guess. Yeah, uh, And, you all, just, and them, all you did was just talk about the top four heights that we brought. There's still yeah. burners yeah. that, that yeah. came in in this class that people might be like, well, only four? It seems like more. Well, it is more. No, there is more. And uh, this wide receiver room with what we are bringing back plus what we brought in, we have a lot of different weapons. And you have to understand, you could say, well, hey, that wide receiver room, the stats just aren't there from the holdovers from last year. Well, it's a different offense. It's going to be a different quarterback. It's going to be a different everything. Everything. So, you know, just because they did not have the stats uh, that you would want to see from last year, it's totally new offense, totally new everything. Yeah, it it is. It's everything. You're you're implementing an entirely new offensive system, and you've got to do it in one offseason, you know, and you've got to do it in one summer or spring session, in one summer session. And it's a lot, it's a lot to ask, you know, it is. And and we've got friends and acquaintances that run similar systems where they are fans and, you know, they are like, 
you know, we've kind of been doing this for a number of years and it's challenging for us to do this every year, you know, and we've got a huge baseline of talent in place to where we get to augment it and it's still difficult to maintain. And, you know, there's a, you guys are trying to do it in one off season. I mean, damn. You're like, yeah, I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a huge ask. I'm, I imagine it's a massive undertaking, right? But, uh, it, it, and this is not a lead into what I'm wearing, but it, it, it just kind of fits the bill. I'm, Huff said it scared money. Don't make money. Right. So that's what they're doing. We're not trying to be timid here and just, you know, eke our way to seven wins and get into a bowl game. And no, nah, man, they want to flip it on its ear. They want to run through the Sun Belt. You're trying to make a run at a playoff in an expanded format like all this. And if you're t- timid and scared, it's highly doubtful that you're going to try uh, or that you're going to achieve those goals. Right. You, you might as well go all in. And, and it seems like Huff is trying to go all in. And here's my quick rebuttal to that without being privy to the entire conversation. With the number of players that we brought in that will be here for the first year, what's it matter? You know what? They're, they're going to have a brand new playbook no matter what. Correct. So right. it doesn't matter. This isn't that, you know, you're running a high school and you've had the same system in place or you're at college and every single person has been there. And now this is their fourth or fifth year. And you're like, well, we're going to change everything, forget everything. You know, there are a lot of players that are coming in. And I mean that players in both what they are called and also players like high level should be impact guys Yeah, that are coming in that will be tabbed to be starting, uh, roster uh, players that are going to be learning this for the first time. Yeah. So is everyone. I think the, I think the argument is that there's, uh, and I'm speculating, right? I think the reasoning, not the argument, the reasoning is, well, there's not a reserve of players that are already familiar with the language and the terminology of this offense. And I get your point and I think you're right. You know, everybody's got to learn it at some point. So it might as well be now. Right. But that's really I think that's really what he meant by that is like there's nobody with familiarity because, well, there's no familiarity. It's a brand new coach. It's brand new, brand new. coach. There is no knowing the terminology. It's all brand new. Yeah. And we're not asking them to learn physics. They know how to play football. So it's just, you know, it's it's just a different terminology. But, you know, the basics are going to be the basics. Yeah. So let's let's head out west for two of these next three. And all these next three are defensive guys. And it starts with Jason Harris, defensive end. Another one that you're gonna love. <laughs> Six foot seven, but slender, 265. Uh, what a what a what an intriguing build. That to me says edge rusher. I don't know that he is, but it sure does feel like that. Tall and lanky, uh, maybe a speed rusher type guy. Excellent. Option maybe to go uh, on the opposite side of Mike Green. You know, uh, looks comes over from Arizona, uh, should have two years remaining. Then uh, staying out west, Isaiah Johnson, the corner, six foot one, 190 from Arizona State. Interesting story here. Three years to play, um, come out as the number nine defensive back in the 2021 class. So goes to Arizona State, originally from West Virginia, but ended up going to high school in California, I think it was. Yep. And lands at Arizona State, slew of offers coming out of high school. So a really, really talented guy, a lot of potential here. And think of, I'm trying to think of him kind of in the same lines as, as 
some of the guys that Huff brought in last year, like Josh Moten, you know, comes over from, I think it was Texas A&M and, and Ishmael Ibrahim from Texas. And, you know, so these high performing guys in that secondary in a secondary that really cut its teeth last year anyway, and should have mm -hmm. some real ballers for 2024 and beyond, but you just can't ever have enough lockdown corners. If that's what Isaiah Johnson proves to be. And then finally, I'll, I'm going to give you the last one. And then we can talk about these three as a whole. Will Norman defensive lineman comes from the university of Florida, six foot four, 300 red shirt freshman should have four years to play. And when I tell you, this guy is a potential massive key, maybe not so much in 2024. We'll see, but a future piece for the herd for sure. Number 23 defensive lineman coming out uh, in the 22 class had offers from everybody. If they're a playoff contender, he had the offer. And, uh, you know, you talk about LSU, Michigan, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, all of them, all of them. And lands at Florida, you mentioned to me before we hit record, so I'm just going to steal your line. He got the offer from Florida and just shut it down, shut the recruitment down. It was like, that's where I'm going to be. Did the red shirt thing and now ready to go on the move. And who could benefit from that? Marshall University. So let's talk about these three guys. You got Harris from Arizona defensive end, Norman from University of Florida defensive lineman, and Johnson cornerback from Arizona State, all with at least a minimum of two years to play. All high prospect high school guys. I mean, what a potential instant impact upgrade across this defense this week alone. Yeah, real quick, uh, Harris's build reminds me of Paul Toviesi. Mm -hmm. He was 6'6", six, 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 260 when uh, that was in the NFL. Um, I I tell you, I'm 6'3". I'm I was uh, next to him all the time in the dorms and towers. Uh, he did not seem 6'6 six, six to me. He seemed 6'8". Yeah. Um, but he, he definitely had that slender build, that tall build and everything. Uh, so that's just what jumped off uh, the page at me right now. And what you have to remember about Toviesi is he played a defensive line, but he wasn't an edge rusher. He played in the interior defensive line. So it was a completely different type of threat because that's just not something you see normally. And especially in the 90s at a school like Marshall to have a six foot six, 260 interior defensive lineman. And he was just, you would think having a build like that would put you at a disadvantage as far as leverages go and things like that. But man, he was unstoppable. If he didn't have all the knee surgeries he did in the NFL, he would have been uh, a superstar. I I'm convinced. Yeah. Um, Norman. Uh, the first thing that I think of is uh, coming from a bigger school and then having four years to play. It reminds me immediately of Mike green that we just got of someone that may not come in here and uh, necessarily start in uh, week one. He may not necessarily um, have that roster spot immediately. Now, he could. He's a totally different player and a different type of size. Um, but Mike Green, as this season went on, really found himself and became a huge impact mm -hmm. by the end of the year. Uh, Norman comes in. He's six foot four, 300. And just listen to this. This wasn't all of the offers, but Auburn. Florida State, LSU, Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas A&M. These are playoff caliber teams. These are high recruiting teams. They thought that he would be great as a defensive lineman, as did just about everybody. Mm -hmm. And he came here, uh, or came to Florida. Uh, he played in four games, immediately shut down the rest of the season before the season was over. 
he entered the transfer portal and now he's coming here and he has four years of eligibility remaining. It's an absolute steal. Let me let me piggyback off of that because there's a guy on the roster that came from Florida last year, right? And and was trying to get his way into the rotation, Chris Thomas. So now you're looking at a potential of Marshall having two University of Florida defensive linemen playing in that uh or maybe on one half of the defensive line, one interior, one edge rusher. But I'm just saying these guys know, right? These guys, and I mean these guys, I mean our coaches, Ralph Street finger to the pulse on defensive line, right? A lot of herd fans know the importance of having a very, very formidable defensive line. It just makes everything else you want to do easier. It just does. Frees up the linebackers. It frees up those defensive backs to have more flexibility at those levels. I mean, if you can get penetration by rushing four, I don't know a defensive coach in the world that wouldn't take being able to get consistent penetration with four down linemen. They would all take it, right? Yeah. So just look at this. Just just look at the potential that's there. And, and you know, yeah, we get excited, and we, they, they haven't played a game yet. They haven't lined up nothing, right? It may not work, but it right now with the info that we have here and just projecting what this could be, potential out there, you got to feel really good about it. I do. I, know, I, I do mean, too. And I'm perpetually positive and, and to a fault a lot of times. But – that's just how I like to operate. It's 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 easier for me in my daily life just to be positive instead of always finding what ain't going to happen, you know. But if you would have thought, man, you know, you could potentially be staring at a power five all, a defensive line. Because Gibby's back. That's University of Kentucky. Mike Green's mm-hmm. back. University of Virginia, right? And, yeah, there's guys like Taquez Legs that have been performing for a while too. But look at that. Look, Chris Thomas, University of Florida. Now you got Will Norman, University of Florida. I mean – at times during the season, Marshall could field a SEC slash ACC defensive line. The potential's there. The guys are on the roster. Uh, lastly, I want to talk about Isaiah Johnson. It leaps off the page at me right away. Six foot one, one ninety. How many times have we talked about when you're going up for a jump ball and uh, you're five foot nine in the defensive backfield? you're at a disadvantage if there's a 6'2 wide receiver that's got longer arms and a bigger wingspan. Um, 6'1", 190, got great size. He redshirted in 2021, and in 2022, he was one of the best cornerbacks in the Pac-12. He had 16 tackles, one of those for a loss, two pass breakups, but he was the 10th lowest in the Pac-12 in yards allowed per coverage target with 5.7 yards. So when they were throwing in his direction all year long, Mm -hmm. he gave up an average of 5.7 yards, and that was 10th best in the Pac-12. He will have three years of eligibility left. He's originally a a West Virginia kid born in Blue Spring, just above uh, Snowshoe. And uh, he was the ninth-ranked cornerback in the nation coming out of high school, and he's got three years left. Right. We are bringing in ballers. Now, not every single one of these guys is going to pan out to be a superstar. But when you're bringing in 25 guys that have uh, the potential to be superstars, you got to feel good about half of those guys panning out and being huge impact players. So, I mean, this is just – it's been a great, great – portal offseason and i just cannot shake the feeling that we are nowhere near done we're not done 
we, we're yeah. not done. We, we know that. We know we're not done. But what you also have to look at is not only have some of these guys are, you don't want to call them a project, but they haven't played at their last stop, right? A red shirt. And now you're yeah. here. So that's a different animal when, uh, versus somebody that's played in a, um, pack 12 secondary that has stats. And that tells me, <clears throat> you know, being 10th in, um, y- you know, yards per target, you're a cover corner. You know, you might not rack up the tackles. You might not do, but you, you can, you can play some coverage, right? And that doesn't mean that <clears throat> you also can't take one to the house if you get your hands on it but it does tell me that you know how to cover the football, right? And that, that's what you want, right? So I think these guys are, are going to be complementary to one another, all these youngsters that cut their teeth last year, and you, you, you know you have to replace Mike Abraham. You have to. He's out of eligibility. He's going to make a run at the NFL. So all-time great. You've got to replace him. And there's guys that are there that can do it. But these pieces where – you go get guys that have also performed and not just recruited and been on a roster, been through an offseason program and been through practice. Game speed, there's no substitute for game speed. Everybody will tell you that. So at some places you can afford to bring in a guy that hasn't played as much at, at a previous stop, and at other places you want guys that have gone out and performed. And you're right, we're not done. We're not close to being done. Uh, just an excellent bunch of movement real quick in a short period of time. We'll see – what it looks like as we continue to move because we're going to be all over it. But for now, oh, yeah. let's go around to her. Yeah. So let's start off with tennis. Uh, the season starts off or the semester uh, should say starts off this weekend with matches against Virginia and Longwood. Both of those are on Saturday. Uh, swim and dive. They went up to Buffalo, if you remember, and uh, they had a Buffalo meet there, but also Buffalo and Duquesne mm-hmm. in a tri meet. Uh, so it's two different meets. Well, they end up sweeping everything. Uh, got those results here. Uh, this is day one. I'm only going to do the uh, first or second place uh, results. Day one, 200-meter uh, medley uh, relay. Maya McBride, Paige Banton, Madeline Hart, and Audrey West came in first. 200-meter freestyle, Molly Warner. Uh, we talked about her earlier. 100-meter butterfly. Uh, second place was Madeline Hart, 100-meter breaststroke. First place, Audrey West, 200-meter butterfly. Esther LeBon, Molly Warner came in third on that. going to break that for a second. 500-meter uh, freestyle, Esther LeBon, Molly Warner came in third. 100-meter individual medley, Paige Banton and Audrey West came first and second. 100-meter backstroke, uh, Maya McBride got third in that. 200-meter freestyle relay, Madeline Hart, Claire Kenny, Parker Lynch, Clava Katayama. And that was just day one. And <laughs> gosh, day two, they won seven of their eight uh, swimming events. Um, so here are those seven of eight and there are a lot of uh, second, third. For instance, uh, the 200-meter bre- breaststroke, we swept the podium. Wow. 400-meter uh, medley relay, the team of McBride, West, Hart, and Klatiyama won that. 1,000-meter freestyle, LeBon won that. 200-meter breaststroke, Paige Banton, and then uh, West and Jenna Bopp uh, helped with the podium sweep. 100-meter freestyle, Klava Katayama. 200-meter backstroke, Maya McBride. 200-meter individual medley, Audrey West. 
Banton and Allison Dodd helped sweep the podium on that. And then the 400 uh, freestyle relay, Madeline Hart, Clotiyama, Parker Lynch, Molly Warner, they got first. And uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. That that sums it up. <laughs> swept swept uh, the podium on a couple of things, uh, swept both of the meets. Now, it was Buffalo in January, so day three got uh, canceled, and they had to come home, but uh, didn't look like it was going to change. All of a sudden, they're not just going to start, you know, putting people over top of you on the podium when you're dominating like that. <laughs> yeah. Wow works. Wow sums it up. Wow does. We talk about swim and dive. We've got uh, two different uh, swimmers of the week the last two weeks. And uh, you heard Audrey West's name several times on on that. So uh, now we're going to go over to men's soccer. Uh, we brought in two transfers. we got uh, Tarek Panholzer from ETSU and Alexa Janjik from Wingate, which is a D2 school. And uh, Janjik, if I'm saying that correctly, is a goaltender. And uh, Panholzer, they put attacker. I don't really know exactly if that's a forward or whatever, but mm -hmm. you know, he's he's going to be more attacking the goal. Yeah. Well, I, I, all I got to say about that is, like I said before, the reload continues. So, um, faith in Grassy and that. Coaching staff, immense faith. There's no need to question anything that they do. So just welcome these guys to the herd and get ready for the next championship run. Women's soccer, uh, hot off the press here. Uh, Rafa Samo's uh, coaching staff is starting to take place. We got uh, Ross Holland will be uh, associate head coach. So that was just announced. Mm-hmm. And let's see, next we're going over to track and field. They had that Marshall alumni event uh, on Saturday of last week. But before we get into that, they got a commitment from Bryn McKeever from Rayland, Ohio, and Connor Casto from Ripley, West Virginia. And now let's talk about what they did at the track and field event. Uh, obviously, we talked about uh, Abby Herring and Ethan Bowens breaking those records. Um, but they won, uh, Rebecca Merritt won first overall. We heard her name all year last year in the weight throw. Uh, but also Josie Moore came in second. Michaela Moore came in third and Madaya McCullough came in fifth. So killing it in the, uh, weight throw. Uh, let's see here. Pole vault. We had several different uh, first place uh, winners in that last year. Keeping up that again this year, Diana Goodman took first. Shot put, uh, the women's, Rebecca Merritt, again, won that. And then we also had second, fourth, and fifth in that event. Uh, women's 60-meter hurdles, uh, Tyra Thomas came in first. Infinity Thomas came in second. 60-meter women's, uh, Kennedy Pedro. Always uh, good to hear that Pedro last name. We've got uh, Cam over on the football field and Father Glenn, all-timer in the running back room. 
one mile run, Kylie Maston. You always call her big time Kylie Maston. <laughs> she had a time of four minutes, 52.98 seconds to take first in that. 300 meter men's Ethan Bowens. We talked about that. 300 uh, women's uh, Micah Elaine came in first. Uh, let's see here. There's more. 600 meter Sophia Newsom came in first in that for the women. Uh, 800-meter women's, uh, Hannah Weiler came in first. 200-meter, Kennedy Pedro won that. I'm kind of smelling a uh, track athlete of the week maybe coming up uh, for <laughs> coming, her in the future. Coming yeah. up. And then let's see, uh, 3,000. We talked about uh, Abby Herring coming in first and shattering her own school record in that. And the final win in the 4x400 relay, for the women, Elaine, Beckett, Harrison, and Porter came in first there. A slew, just like in the women's uh, <laughs> swim and dive, a slew of first place wins. It's starting to get ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't like to sit here and just read and read and read, but I don't want to slight all these winners yeah, and everything. Sure. And so, you know, apologize for having to read through that and find the winners, but uh, we want to recognize all these athletes. Yeah. They yeah. they deserve it. This ain't no different than Nate Martin going out and getting a double-double in a win. This is no different than, you know, Rasheen Ali getting two touchdowns in a win. Like, a win's That's a win's right. a win, you know, and, and just because it happens in track and field does not make it any less of an accomplishment than it does over basketball or football. And I'll and be, some damn, of these I'll be are, damned if we don't give these athletes their due, man. That's why we're here. And some of these are ultra impressive. I mean, we talked about it, but shattering your own school record by 19 seconds is ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Men's basketball. They beat Georgia Southern 79 to 74 at home last Wednesday. And then they lost uh, to South Alabama at home on Saturday, 91 to 85. I was there for that game, by the way, with a bunch of our friends, uh, college fraternity guys, and uh, the atmosphere was electric, I will say. Good. Loud, loud, loud crowd. Uh, they play – I don't have that up on here. Both, they both play, of our squads are playing Old Dominion. Old Dominion, uh, but Old Dominion on the road for um, – the men, and that is on Thursday at 7 p.m. And then I don't have who they play on Saturday. Oh, I can probably tell you that real quick. It looks like it'll be – oh, Jane, they're doing the Virginia swing. So That's James right, Madison. yeah. James so, Madison, and that is also 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Well, it's ESPN showing it at 6 p.m.? So, Six? Okay, all right. So still, in evening window, right? It's the evening yeah. window. And, of course, James Madison is a was a top 25 team. They've dropped a couple here, but they're still 15-2. and two. Very good. Don't want to look past Old Dominion at all. The Herd and Old Dominion always play tough games, always. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though Old Dominion's kind of struggling a little bit, 4 of 13, 4 and 13 on the season, very uncharacteristic of an Old Dominion basketball team. But uh, they're still tough. And one thing – that we've got to talk about uh, that I saw the other day is that I can't think of, I'm sorry, the, the guy's monarchist. I apologize, but I saw the old dominion head coach is now going to be uh, kind of done for the season. He's addressing some Jeff, health issues. Jeff Jones. Yes. There you go. Going to be addressing some health issues and needed to step away. So of course we're wishing nothing but the best to our buddies in Norfolk uh, and uh, coach Jones and his family and the whole program, the whole unit, all you guys, 
you know, it, that's an unfortunate situation, and we're pulling for you. But at the same time, we want to go to Norfolk on uh, uh, to this evening and get ourselves a win, you know. So um, 2-0 this week would be big. Be a, be a nice nice Huge. bounce back. Huge. Yeah, be a nice bounce back after losing one at home. Uh, go on the road and get one in Norfolk and then beat, you know, one of the top two probably teams, two, three teams in the Sun Belt right now in uh, James Madison. So let's do it. One thing I want to say uh, about that game is Cam Crawford came off the bench. He had uh, missed the last four games, coach's decision, mm-hmm. and uh, he absolutely lit it up with some timely threes, good fast break opportunities, had 23 points overall. And it's one of those things that uh, when we were talking about bringing him in from the portal and people looked at his stats last year and he, they said, well, he averaged like 1.8 points a game. This is what we're talking about, that it doesn't mean you just take last year's stats and plug them in to what it's going to be. It's a totally different system. We just talked about this in football. This was my example that that you need to think about. Players getting an opportunity, a certain system that they would fit better in. His athleticism and height at the guard position – it just it really helped change that game when he came off the bench. Yeah. We had to make several runs. We were down by 21, I think, was the most that we were down in that game. We kept making runs. We kept making runs. And every time he was in, we seemed to make huge, timely shots to make those runs. So it's good to see him work back in. And a quick little plug uh, for our friend Luke Creasy over at the Herald Dispatch. He, he had a great article and interview session with cam crawford after the game talking about what it was like for him to be on the bench uh due to the coach telling him hey you know you're not playing right now because you're just not playing the way that we need on Mm -hmm. on this team you're not playing it within the system yeah i mean i tell you what good piece by luke right but also Mm -hmm. shout out to um Crawford for peeling the curtain back a little bit and like uh-huh. not just brushing it off and like kind of owning the situation. He did because, because that's that's a, that's a real uh, sign of maturity and growth and development that you can you can accept what you were doing and move to improve that and and you saw it culminate with that career high in a loss. But you know by all accounts, South Alabama just couldn't freaking miss a shot. It seemed like so that's hard to overcome. But man. Props to, to Crawford for like owning it and 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 working to get past it. That's big time stuff, man. That's the type of stuff that will pay dividends in March. You know, that's right. So good for good for him, man. But still, let's go get us a win tonight in Norfolk. The herd kind of needs it to get another run going. Open also had a career high real quick. He had twenty six in that game. Uh, we just both teams shot well. Uh, everything mm-hmm. looked the same. We had way too many turnovers in that game. All right, over to the women. Uh, we won on the road against Georgia State last Thursday, ninety to seventy-eight, and then we beat Coastal on the road on Saturday, seventy-two to sixty. We host ODU tonight, six p.m. I will be there. I'm trying to get a bunch of people to go with me, and I just wrote an article about how everyone should go to these uh, games. They also host Coastal on Saturday at 1 p.m. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about this real quick. Old Dominion's 12 and 3. Marshall's 11 mm-hmm. and 5. We're looking up at them right now, and well, we're not. We're in first place, but we're you yeah. know we're kind of looking up at, at them from an overall record standpoint. You got to get to the cam, right? You guys, we we gripe and moan about 
I'll go when we're winning and I'll you know, I'll wait. Why wait? Why are you waiting? You want you want to keep Coach Kim? You want to keep her? <laughs> She's win. You think other teams aren't perking up and going, dang, what's this Coach Kim doing down in Huntington, West Virginia, freaking 15 games into the season? Right? You got to prove to them that they matter. As a fan, you have to and the what all of the coaches we talk to, Rust, the single thing they say. The biggest way to help our program is go to the games. Come to the games. It can't be simpler than that. $3 tickets. If you got 10 of you together, $2 tickets. Like, we are giving tickets away to every game. It couldn't be any cheaper or easier than paying $3 maximum, right? Go to these games. Get rabid about it. And I'll tell you what, this is a funny story from when I was in high school. We had a pretty good girls basketball team when I was in high school. And a big bunch of my friends and I just decided, you know what? We're going to start going to the girls' basketball games. And that's exactly what we did. And I'll tell you what, we turned DuPont High School girls' basketball games into this rabid environment that because we were going and having a great – I mean, there was like 20 of us. Because we were doing that, more of the students started coming to the games to the point to where the gym was almost kind of full. You know, after a few games of us doing this and, and word getting around the school that we were doing this, it was fun. It was something to do. It's the same kind of thing. If the stampede turns out and students turn out, students could easily account for a thousand people at these games. Easily. You know, they're not paying tickets free. You just go walk across campus and go inside the camp. Go. It's colder. What else are you doing? Right. But if some if some p- fans would buy some tickets provide the type of environment these these girls win these girls hustle they play hard now imagine compounding that with a true home court advantage to where communication is harder for the opponent the crowd's getting into it the juices start flowing for our girls you get it it's the same freaking thing the same environment you can create at the joan the same uh, environment you can create at the cam when the men are playing we've seen it firsthand we've been a part of those crowds where the crowd has tipped the energy in favor of the herd do the same thing for this team because they're already damn good as it is, and you can just make them even better by providing that element that they currently don't have, right? They, they don't have that. So if you if you make the Cam Henderson Center the most hostile, loud, raucous environment for an opponent, what's stopping this team? What is stopping them? Very little, if anything, will stop them. So do your part. Go to the daggone game. Pay the three bucks. Pay the two bucks. You know, win our tickets. Go for free. Big correction here. Uh, I didn't catch this earlier, but that $3 special, that was a flash sale, so that is already over. Still. Uh, it's it's $5 for an adult, 3 for kids, and then $2 if you have a group of 10 or more. Just wanted to make sure that somebody didn't get there tonight and say, I was told by the Thundercast that there were $3 <laughs> tickets. So well, okay. That, that was a flash. That was a flash sale. It was last week, uh, but that window is now over. Uh, they may have additional uh, flash sales popping up here soon, but yeah. still – Get nine of your closest friends and go over there for two dollars each. So I've got to you know? clarify that it's five bucks a ticket, or if you buy ten, it's two dollars a ticket. It's that much of a yeah. drop off. That's correct. Yes. Right. Yes. Why the hell would you buy four when you, could buy, when you could buy ten? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Just same money, but now yeah. you're buying ten, and even if you can't get ten people to go with, even if only four of you are going, right? So what? Buy the ten. Same amount of money going to the athletic department, and maybe you can 
give some tickets out to people while you're having dinner. Hey, we've got extra tickets. You guys want to go watch yeah. the basketball game and get a couple of extra? Yeah, we were sure. Why not? I mean, yeah. but regardless, spend a little bit of money and go see this really, really good team. Why would you wait until they're in contention for the Sunbelt Conference Championship? Why? Why? Why not be a part of it now? Right? They're exciting. They're winning. That's what you want in Huntington, right? You want a winner? Well, they're winning. Go see them. In tonight's game, you mentioned Old Dominion 12-3. and three. That's overall. They're 4-1 and one in conference. If they were to knock us off, they would move into first place because we would have identical 5-1 and one records, but they would own the tiebreakers. So it right. is a big very, game. very, very big game tonight. Uh, they do promotions as well. Tonight is uh, We Are United. And then a uh, big one coming up that I'm going to talk about a lot more the next time we record. Greek Night is on Wednesday, January the 31st, and we expect a huge packed yeah. student section from all the Greeks that will be going. I, I'm i of the uh, mindset that they should be going to all those weeknight games and as many of the Saturday, Saturday, day, Saturday day games that they can as well. Yeah. But uh, when it is specifically Greek night, there will probably be a huge pack crowd there on it the 31st. I mean, you're talking yeah. about several, several hundred students that encompass yeah. more than several hundred, you know, that encompass the Greek system at Marshall. And if they get a little internal competition amongst themselves, like we want to be the most attended fraternity, we want to be the most attended sorority, and word starts getting around that that happens, that's how you get five, 600 people at the game because they don't know. No fraternity or sorority wants to be the one that didn't show out the most. It's, it becomes one of those things. Russ, you got anything else? Final uh, thought on this uh, women's basketball squad is they were two and four in their first six games. Rochelle Scott uh, has not played since. No word from the team on uh, why she is not on the bench. But since that time, nine and one with the lone, ro lone loss being to Wake Forest on the road in a game that they lost heading into the fourth quarter on the road to an ACC squad. And they just lost uh, in the last minute or two on free throws, making that a, a bigger win by six, I think it was, or five than it really was on paper. Yeah. So this has been a huge, huge turnaround for this team to lose their leading scorer at two and four and just now they're undefeated in the conference. Get no out and support this squad. No doubt. Go see him. Damn. But other than that, that's it for Around the Herd. And if you don't have any thoughts, I'll take us out. No, I don't have any thoughts. You can go ahead and take us out. Yeah, so whether you see us uh, at the cam, whether you see us touring the jack, or whether you see us around the campus on any level, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast. Stick around next week. we got something super-duper special for you. We'll see you then. Later.